Hello, and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that knows abortion is healthcare. Today we have Zoe and Ozzy. And today we're talking about a really vital project that launched in May of 2023 called Pro-Choice Therapists. This is a national project that includes a directory of pro-choice therapists, including yours truly, um, resources for people seeking abortions and resources and training for therapists. So today we're interviewing two amazing people from this org. We have the founder and CEO of the project, Ashley, and the chief learning and equity officer, Jennifer. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, do you each want to introduce yourselves and just talk a little generally about the project and what you're both up to working on it? Um, sure, I'll start. Um, my name is Dr. Ashley Sweet. I use she, her pronouns. Um, and I am a clinical sexologist and I am a licensed therapist. Um, and I worked primarily in Virginia and Florida through telehealth. Um, and I've spent my entire professional career of the last 15 years working in sexual and reproductive health care. Um, I worked 14 years at Planned Parenthood. I like to say I was raised by Planned Parenthood, so I have uh, 11 years of working essentially in an abortion context in the South, um, and then I worked for three years at the national office. Um, my clinical roots as a therapist started in a community rape crisis center, so I see the world through the lens of trauma with so much of the work that I do, um, both related to abortion and related to just health in general. Um, I think we are living through dramatic times right now um, at many different intersectional points. And so I'm always thinking about how is our nervous system reacting or responding in any moment? Um, and so this project, Pro-Choice Therapist, um, is something that I had been dreaming about for about seven years um, and never had the right time, space, capacity to make it happen. Um, and then I was working on my doctorate degree in clinical sexology. I was writing a book about pleasure. I was about halfway done and then Roe fell and I was like, mm, fuck it. I actually need to do something completely different. So I totally changed course and made this project. So I am so excited. Um, we have had such an incredible response of clinicians all across the country, also in Canada and the UK, um, and certainly an incredible team of volunteer um, volunteers who have come together and have really made this project happen. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. And I am Jennifer de Jesus. I use she, her, and AJAP pronouns. Um, and I am currently serving as the Chief Learning and Equity Officer uh, for ProTraceTherapist.org. And I show up to the space, uh, much like Ashley, we were, uh, Planned Parenthood raised the both of us, and together we worked at the SAVE affiliate. Uh, I have worked for Planned Parenthood for 11 years. What will be 11 years this November, so a couple months shy. And I also cut my teeth here in the South working at one of the Florida affiliates and also worked for Planned Parenthood Federation of America as the um, Director of Abortion Training and Resources on the uh, Consortium of Abortion Providers team at, that, at the national office. And I got involved in this project through Ashley, who was letting me know just the amazing work that she was doing and her amazing vision for this project. And I jumped at the chance to be a part of it and to really um, fill a need. There's such a gap in this space um, not just for patients who are seeking abortion or have had abortions, um, but also for the people who work in abortion care specifically, um, providers, line staff, licensed staff, you know, top to bottom, um, who also um, have for many years verbalized and shared a, a need um, and a want to, to have a space like this. And so it's been my honor and privilege to be a part of creating that space now alongside Ashley and many others. That's great. It's really Cool to hear that y'all both got started at Planned Parenthood. Um, I wanted to ask, um, I guess specifically for you, Ashley, and then 
um, Jennifer, if you feel like this applies to your work as well, but I saw in your um, bio online that you describe yourself as a feminist therapist. And I just wanted to ask if you could talk about kind of what that means to you and maybe how your approach is different from like therapy that's not explicitly feminist. I love that question. Um, yes, I am an out and proud feminist therapist. Um, and within sort of the the world of psychotherapy, feminist therapy is a legitimate origin of therapy. Um, but I really identify as a feminist therapist um, in the work that I do because gender shows up in the work. So I'm primarily working with folks around sex and sexuality, whether it be reproductive health stuff or it's around um sexual identity, pleasure, dysfunction, sexual assault. I mean, really anything related to sexual health, there is some intersection of gender. And the way that I frame my feminism and how it shows up in the room is particularly around the messaging that culture gives you around how you are and are not allowed to behave in society, how you should and should not behave. And when we operate um, within those really strict confines of the binary, people cut parts of themselves off as they evolve. And it, it turns often into shame um, or it can turn into hardened anger. Um, and so I'm really helping people examine what are those ways that the gender binary has restricted them and their growth as humans, um, whether it be sex roles, right? Who's allowed to experience pleasure, how they're able to communicate about pleasure, who they're allowed to be attracted to, what they're allowed to be attracted to, um, or you know how you make boundaries in life, right? How you say no to things. Um, or particularly when I'm working with cis men, um, really helping them identify the full catalog of emotions that live within inside of them, helping them identify them, name them, bring them into light, and really free them from this idea that um, feelings beyond angry, hungry, tired, um, make them somehow inferior or less of men. Um, and so I find that to be extremely empowering, no matter what the gender, um, identity is of the person that I'm working with. I think about it as those rules of, of how we act, shame and power, right? Power dynamics, certainly. So empowering people to really embrace who they are in their fullness, regardless of these restrictive rules, um, that are enforced by the patriarchy and like every section of our society, which we hate. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> cool. Well, that segues well into something else I wanted to talk to y'all about. So I'm a social worker. My background is in social work and gender studies. And something that I think about is this more like kind of traditional therapy, um, like old school idea that therapists shouldn't be open about politics. It's supposed to be neutral that no one should know what we really think about things and like our opinions, um, which of course, I mean, A, isn't the case regardless. B is taken down when you have things like pro-choice therapists where it's very open what the politics are. And yeah, I was curious your thoughts on, on going about that. If you've received any pushback of, you know, like, well, you shouldn't be open about these kinds of opinions when you're in this field. Anything around that? I think this is such an interesting space for therapists of this generation and um, and where we live in, in the context of social media in particular. You know, I have worked um, alongside therapists who are also sex workers and are open about that, right? So um, when we think about the personas that therapists traditionally were supposed to confine themselves to, I think it was in an age where privacy was the default setting. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, and I think, you know, folks these days want to know who they're sitting across from. Um, in my experience, they do. And so, for me, I can't not show up without my feminist perspective. It's how I treat people. It's how I see the world. Um, and I think that my obligation to my clients who choose to work with me to build therapeutic alliance and trust, they need to understand what they're showing up for, the basics, right? And then they can opt in or out. Um, I love 
if people decide I'm not the right fit by reading my website, thank you. You've self-selected out. Great. Like I empower you to choose the right person, right? But in the context of politics, in this intersection around human rights violations, to me, it's not politics. This is not political. It is personal. And it is showing up in the lived experience of the clients that I work with. So to deny that I am pro-body autonomy would be to deny a part of the therapeutic experience, right? Of a person being able to come into a space that is very sex positive and very gender affirming and very empowering. I want people to feel like when they come into the office with me, they don't have to perform. They can be themselves. And part of that is me telling them this is a lens through which I see the world, right? And particularly around human rights, these are the ways that I see human rights. And so this is going to guide the treatment that I offer. You know, I don't put personal things really on my Instagram. I, I, you know, I'm not sharing publicly like what I had for breakfast. You know, I'm not sharing those nuanced details of me because I do still think it is important that my clients know that the relationship that we have is about them and that it's not about me, right? There are certainly those moments where people care about me. Folks know that I'm pregnant because I'm going to be going on maternity leave, right? Um, And so they ask those questions and I keep it super like tight and short because again, the focus is about them. So I think there is definitely still an important place for boundaries that you're not going to be sharing what I did this weekend and, you know, unless it's the Barbie movie and then maybe it's relevant to a session, right? I like, did talk about the Barbie movie. Multiple <laughs> clients ended up bringing up the Barbie I, movie. With me. I definitely <laughs> did. I definitely did too. Um, because it's relevant. It was relevant, right? Um, so I think, I think there is an importance of, you know, I'm not talking about my sex life, right? I'm not talking about like the nuances of my life. However, I'm going to give a certain framework. This is what Um, I believe, and particularly around human rights. And I think it's my ethical obligation to be able to create that context so that people can feel safe with me, they can trust, trust me, or they can opt out right? I don't want them to come in and invest all this time and money and be like, oh my God, you're a feminist. Oh no, you tricked me. Look at this liberal witch. Oh my God. Like, okay, I'm going to show you who I am. Um, I'm going to show you who I am in this way so that hopefully you will feel safe with me. Um, And that's really what I think about in that context. So I believe in boundaries. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Folks don't need to know all my business. In fact, please don't. Um, but if it is relevant to the work that we're doing together, I think it's totally appropriate. And also like those old colonized patriarchal ideas around professionalism, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that shit is just white supremacy. And so the, the blank, what is the, the blank wall, like Clients are just mm-hmm. be staring into the void, looking away from you as you like scroll their thoughts on your pad of paper and judge them. Like, that's not how we do therapy anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interpersonal. And and our, our research also shows us that a big chunk of what makes people better in therapy is the therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I see people with interpersonal trauma. So our healing has to be interpersonal. And part of that is me being a genuine human. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah, imagine that being a genuine human. I um, <laughs> I love how you took us through um, your thoughts about um, this idea of therapeutic neutrality, right? And how you know folks really were trained to show up that way and and um, with good intention, and how we've really evolved and are now in this space of authenticity being just as important. And so I think that. Um, really what shows up in, in spaces now um, is professionalism versus authenticity, which Ashley kind of alluded to, right? Um, so we're done with like therapeutic neutrality. We're, we, are, we have evolved into a space where we're trying to connect genuinely and showing more of ourselves and how we show up. And I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who shows up to therapy with a therapist who identifies as a feminist therapist. And so um, we have this great connection because she, she, my therapist, is able to share with me 
um, some of their uh, perspectives um, whole, while holding that line of like professionalism and what does it mean to be authentically yourself but also show up um, in ways that are client focused. And so just echoing Ashley and, and all her sentiments and everything she just shared. Yeah, well, I'm curious, maybe following off of that a little bit, um, I know you both worked at Planned Parenthood and also in this current project, you're explicitly working with folks who are seeking or have had abortions. Um, what kinds of issues have you had as providers um, in supporting clients who are having abortions? Um, whether that's like systemic or um, coming from specific like therapy models you've seen. Um, yeah, I guess just basically what what was the need you saw for this project and why did you want to create it? Sure. Um, so what I saw in my many years working in Florida, um, I worked you know, when you work in nonprofits, you wear many hats. So I used to joke that my job title should be other duties as assigned because I really worked like everywhere. Um, and I loved it. I, I just love to have my hands in everything. But something that was consistently in my in my work for all of the years was abortion counseling. So <clears throat> showing up in the room um, on the day that folks would come in for procedure, talking to them about their decision, um, providing education and informed um, consent and then often holding hands during procedures. And it was just, ah, oh, so beautiful. So amazing. So incredible. Um, and you see again and again and again that, you know, the abortion experience itself is just a moment in someone's life. It is not the pinnacle, you know, it, it, it is, it is just another moment. What showed up again and again was the stigma. It was the fear of, I don't, I've heard horrible things about this, Oh no, I Googled abortion. Now I'm fucking terrified, right? Don't Google abortion. It's not, it's not real information, right? So like seeing the misinformation that was present, the stigma that folks would, would experience, those were the two big pieces. Occasionally we would work around um, sort of morals or values, spirituality, um, you know, will I be judged? Okay, great. I, I know how to ask just open-ended questions and not answer that for you. Um, but also I can give you these resources where if, if you really feel like today is not the day, then, you know, call faith aloud, you know, all options. Like there are folks you can talk to faith leaders who are pro-choice who can help support you. That is the minority in my experience. What it really was, was people who were feeling like they couldn't share this with anybody and they, they just needed a safe place to talk about it or staff. Um, I one time got denied a car loan because of who I worked for, because I worked for a murderer and this guy harassed me. Um, and it was a horrible experience. Um, so clinic workers, you know, folks who are working in these environments, often we can't just like chat with our friends outside of the world about what work was like today, even if it was just a regular day, right? People get super like titillated about what's going on in the abortion clinics. You know, they assume that something bad is happening or that it's something that's other than like the mundane healthcare that happens, right? Yes, there's drama always because it's healthcare, right? Like you're going to have protesters, which is going to be a different spin on it. But for the most part, it's just you know, I am working in this environment. I want to have a therapist. I don't want them to judge me for where I work. Right. And on occasion, we would have folks who really did need a referral for mental health care, whether it was intimate partner violence. That was the reason that they were there getting that abortion procedure, um, or it was depression or anxiety or something else was happening. We needed to give them a referral, but there's just no way that you can go look for someone who's going to be pro-choice. It just didn't exist. And so I took on a project of cold calling a bunch of people and it was a horrible experience, you know, of clinicians who are supposed, quote unquote, hard quotes, supposed to be open and non-judgmental. But you have a lot of folks who are Christian counselors. Let's be fucking honest. People who really put their God in the room with them when they're doing the work. And that's great if that's how you openly advertise, but a lot of these folks don't, right? And 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 their God is in the room judging their client with them without the informed consent of the client, and people feel that. And so um, I 
had my own bad experiences with therapists. And it was like, what do people do? Whether you're a clinic worker or whether you're somebody who had an abortion, if you just want to talk about the topic, not even a trauma of the experience, but just talk about the topic, I need a place where I know that I'm not going to get judged. So that's the hugest piece is just finding a safe place where also you have someone who is potentially informed about the basics of abortion because most therapists are not working in the space of reproductive health. There's in fact a huge divide between reproductive health care and mental health care, right? Remember the brain is like, or the mind is, is like treated like a balloon tethered to the body. These are really separate things in our society, right? When really they're one system. And so there's stigma on both sides, mental health, stigmatizing, reproductive health, reproductive health, stigmatizing mental health care. There's a huge divide. And so I was always like, how do we bridge this? This is this is not cool. This is not fair. This just needs to be another topic, right? So what happens when someone Googles um, abortion therapy? What happens? They find 300 crisis pregnancy centers, right? So crisis pregnancy centers are filling this gap. They are pretending to be pro-choice therapist spaces, and they are not. And so I really just saw this as such a vulnerable space for people and heard horrible stories over the years of people being tricked, right? Um, so now, you know, that was in a time when Roe was still the law of the land, right? And so people weren't being criminalized for having an abortion at 10 weeks, right? In most of the state, right? Now we're in a space where trying to obtain an abortion procedure can be traumatic in and of itself because of the surveillance state, because of all of the fear of repercussions of persecution and prosecution, depending on where you live. And so I just felt like even more now than ever, if someone wants to talk about abortion and disclose that they're either having a self-managed abortion or they're traveling somewhere to have an abortion or they've had an abortion, they need to know that their provider is going to be able to support them, not call the authorities on them first and foremost, right? But also have a basic knowledge of what abortion is because most therapists take in the misinformation like everybody else does, unless they go out of their way to learn about it. There's no like reproductive mental health certification tracks you can take in this country, right? There's there's stuff around like postpartum. You, you can learn about postpartum stuff, but not abortion in particular. So there's a huge void. I was like, we got to fix this. Not because there are tons of people out there who are like, oh my God, I had an abortion and now I need mental health care. It's like, for those who need it, this space needs to be available. And the other thing that I found is that for a lot of clients, especially after Roe felt, they want to know their therapist status, whether they want to talk about abortion or not, because it's really about where do you stand with me as, as a human who could reproduce? Um, where do you stand on this human rights uh, and body, body autonomy? So that's why it really felt important to me. Um, and what do I see usually? It's unpacking the stigma. That That's the majority of it. It's unpacking the stigma. Or was it connected to intimate partner violence, right? Or in some cases, was it a termination for medical reasons where it was a wanted pregnancy? And then, oh my God, you know, I had this thing happen and now I have to travel multiple states and pay thousands and thousands of dollars to terminate this pregnancy that wasn't going to survive my insurance won't cover it anymore. You know, what, what do people do? They're stuck. Um, and so providing that safe place for people to be able to just talk about it, not be judged, and then also have therapists who can provide access to medically and politically accurate information. You don't have to be an expert about abortion, but you need to be able to point your, your clients to medically and politically accurate resources. That's the most important thing to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of what you're saying reminds me a lot of experiences that I've had as a queer and trans person, like wanting a therapist who has competent competency in those issues, like not necessarily someone who is queer or trans, although that's great, but someone who I know I won't have to like 
explain things to or who at least will be open about like what they don't know and other resources they can direct me to. Um, and I don't know, this is maybe obvious, but I noticed um, in the directory of therapists that y'all have, a lot of folks um, also say on their websites that they are queer and or trans or have fluency with those identities um, and or that they're like poly and kink friendly. Um, and I guess I'm just curious if there's, I say maybe it's obvious because like, of course, the people who are like, seeking out information about queer and trans identity and people who would be seeking out, um, you know, how to be better feminist therapists could have some overlap. But I guess I'm just curious if there's anything you want to say about that overlap and kind of like why that's um, maybe a pairing that seems to happen frequently. Sure. Um, I think, again, it all has to do with body autonomy, human rights, and, and, gender rights. Um, so people are being persecuted and prosecuted for making personal healthcare decisions about their bodies, both in the trans spaces or in hormone, hormone therapy, um, and in abortion care and further and further, it's going to be contraception care. Right. Um, so it's like what's happening to my body. And, um, if people have the lived if people have the lived experience of being persecuted or prosecuted for making decisions about their healthcare, about their bodies, about their identities, they're all interconnected. It just, right, when you come for one of us, you come for all of us. It's only a matter of time. And I think people are starting to make these connections. Um, it's just such <laughs> patriarchy, um, it, you know, it, it is really trying to keep us in a very rigid binary. Um, and for those of us who have any experiences living outside of that binary, whether it be our roles and our rights or our actual identities, um, we know what that oppression feels like. And so I think they're very much connected um, around body autonomy and, and those human rights. Um, and I think also people who are queer, um, people who work in spaces of, of abortion, um, we also want to give voice to these stories that so many people can't give voice to. So if you feel safe and empowered to use your platform in order to amplify that, like, hey, you're allowed to be you, this is normal, this is okay, um, I mean, I think that's that's really amazing. And therapists really have an opportunity in their positions to normalize these lived experiences and to say these things are okay, right? Because mental health in general is so stigmatized. It's this idea of like, oh, there's a book with a bunch of diagnoses that tell you all the ways that you're fucked up and wrong, right? Please let's reject that. Instead, can we take a more empowering lens? What is your identity? Please try to do no harm. If you're doing harm, let's talk about that and unpack it. Hurt people hurt people, right? Um, but I think, you know, power, control, the patriarchy, all those fun things. I think um, they all intersect then with those identities. Being feminist, questioning uh, these rigid rules that are super outdated and really only benefit um, a small minority. Yeah, what I really hear you saying, Ashley, is um, uh, in that overlap, it's just in, in common values, right? Uh, we value um, similar things, informed choice, right? Uh, personal freedom, body auto bodily autonomy um, for, for all people. And that intersectionality of just being able to take different, different lenses, you know, a lot of the times, I uh, speak kind of generally here, um, so forgive me, but folks who are um, well-versed in one area, often are attuned to the others, right? Um, and not to say that anyone's a, um, if you are a pro-choice therapist, that you are um, going to be an expert in seeing um, uh, non-binary trans folks and um, helping them through their issues. But we do have those common values. And so the, those folks tend to be tapped in to each other. Because like Ashley said, um, uh, what I see uh, the fight for um, reproductive health and care for um, people with capacity for pregnancy, um, that fight is so tied 
um, to trans rights and the um, the the attacks that are happening. I mean, I live in Florida, so <laughs> um, but don't say gay bill and other um, don't say gay, um, which was, there are a few others. There are a few others. It's Florida, so all the things are happening here. Um, but all of these things are intertwined, and so um, that intersectionality and I think our common values really answers that um, that question and is what I heard Ashley say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Ashley, you also were mentioning kind of your early attempts to seek out pro-choice therapists and how horrible it was just like cold calling random providers. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit both about sort of what the vetting process actually became for the project ultimately, and then maybe kind of how this process could be easier for clients um, than just cold calling a bunch of providers and being like, how do you feel about abortion? Totally. Um, yes. So I tried to take a feminist perspective in doing this. Um, I really tried to be transparent. I tried to share power. Um, and I really looked for that kind of like grassroots community-based process of getting the word of mouth out about this project. It was sort of a snowball effect that happened. I started with just thinking about, okay, if I am a client and I'm trying to find a pro-choice therapist, what could I possibly do? Maybe I'd go to psychology today, which is where most folks will go and find a therapist. It's like the leading directory on the internet. Um, and there is no pro-choice or abortion um, keyword that you can search by. Although I have put that on my own profile, I've created my own keyword for myself, abortion counseling, but um, it's not there uh, generally for you to select. And so I thought, all right, what are other keywords that therapists might choose to give me the idea that they might be values aligned here? And so I chose keywords like LGBTQ, um, women's issues, um, pregnancy and um, postpartum, um, and a couple other ones. And I essentially cruised psychology today, looking at hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of profiles, um, and trying to pull folks from every state. So I read their profiles um, and made sure that they were in private practice, they were actually licensed, and that they seemed in some ways to be at least peripherally values aligned. And I put together like a huge list. And I sent out the email to almost 500 providers across the, the country and was like, yo, this is the project. If you're interested, here's the information. And so um, I also, um, in my deep dive researching around like, why doesn't this exist? Who is talking about reproductive health and therapy um, and, and mental health? I was able to find some other folks who were really um, amazing leaders in the field who are doing this work, who are talking about it. So connecting with them, who then connected me with other folks. And basically people started sharing it through their networks. Like there are most states have like therapist Facebook groups. So people would share through there. It became kind of a word of mouth situation. Um, and for folks who are interested, they then had to complete um, a 90-minute training. So um, Zoe, you would have completed this training. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for sticking with it. Um, I thought it was really important to give a general overview of like, what is abortion? What are the state what is the state of ab abortion restrictions in the country as of last year when I was doing this project? Um, what are the realities of, uh, what does the data show us actually about mental health and abortion, which is that abortion doesn't cause mental health problems. It's the stigma around abortion that can be the, the issue that folks really need support with. Um, and then just sort of a, a general information about great resources. So folks had to take this training and then they had to complete a 40 question assessment, um, which was, in my opinion, pretty extensive, and folks had to have taken it um, in order to actually pass. So um, they had to then pass that, and they completed a, a um, an application process that had both questions around their practice, their experience, but also kind of open-ended values questions around their experiences and beliefs around abortion. And so 
taking all of those things together um, and really reviewing each individual application, making sure everybody had all of their pieces together, we ended up with 191 providers who completed all of those steps within the three uh, month open enrollment period. Um, and so that was really the vetting process. And so I had people upload like copies of their licenses, making sure that they're, they are licensed. Um, and you know, I, I can't guarantee anybody on that list is a good therapist, right? There also can be pro-choice therapists who are shitty therapists, right? Or just not the right fit. But each of those therapists has a link to their own website. And so folks can then you know, read more about them, decide if it feels like the right fit. Also for every therapist who joined, they also had to attest to our guiding principles of essentially what does it mean to be a pro-choice therapist? So you support someone's um, right to body autonomy um, and to have an abortion, um, that you will provide medically and politically accurate resources as appropriate, um, that you are not going to um, you're not going to disclose someone's abortion. You're not going to break confidentiality around that, right? You're going to be really mindful about documentation of someone's abortion disclosure uh, to the best of your abilities, like within your electronic health record, you know, things like that we really need to be thinking about. So, um, and that they would, you know, do the quiz and, and take the training. Um, and so that's really the best we can do. It's like, here's these member agreements. This is the process we set up. We're hoping that these folks are who they say they are. If you have an experience and it's not great, please send us an email and we'll dig in a little bit deeper. Um, but but that really was the process. And so um, we had that three-month mi- three open window as we were basically creating the beta launch of the website so we could really learn about the process. Um, and we're refining the process and we'll reopen the applications for new therapists to join later in the fall. Yeah, I just want to say that's a really incredible amount of labor. And that's, <laughs> it's just very impressive. Also, like, the response rate going from an initial like 500 cold emails to roughly 200 people actually signed up is also very impressive. Um, so that's, it's just very cool to hear like that all of that um, organizing and work paid off. Thank you. Thank you. I I talk a lot about like channeling my feminist rage into really empowering ways. And this was, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to lose my that. shit. Yeah. I'm going to lose my shit or I'm going to make something really beautiful. And I, mm-hmm. I chose to do that instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard about it through um, Rachel Dyer from Exhale Pro Voice, who we had on the podcast. Um, I met her through some grad school things. Um And so, yeah, that's how I heard about it. I was very excited. So you touched on this a little bit around legality. So I work in Illinois, which is like relatively good as far as the United States goes for like policy abortion. But I'm really curious how you, you know, train and support therapists where that's not the case. And there are, you know, legal concerns that come along with doing this work as a therapist and being like open about those opinions in places where right? There's a lot more concerns around that. Yes. Um, So this was probably the number one fear that therapists had um, as they were considering becoming a part of this was, um, am I going to get sued for talking to somebody about abortion? Like what is going to happen to me as it will this be considered aiding and abetting if I talk to them in Texas, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was really fortunate to be able to connect um, with with folks at an organization called If, When, How, who are really providing targeted like legal analysis and advice for folks around their rights to obtain abortion and also support abortion services. And so um, was able to get information essentially around like, what are the best practices for being able to talk about abortion and provide those referral resources? So as of this point, um, the American Psychological Association put out a memo um, and they adopted some sort of rule set, essentially advocating for psychologists' right and responsibility to protect um 
clients' confidentiality around reproductive health and choices. So HIPAA always should come first, right? The protection around someone's um, medical history and that privacy is is bolstered by HIPAA. Um, and within that, um, the APA article um, cites Attorney General Eric uh, Merrick Garland talking about essentially how um, it is your First Amendment right to talk about abortion. And so in the context of therapy, it would be the therapist's First Amendment right to be able to talk about abortion in a therapeutic environment. Um, providing resources is different than providing advice, right? Information providing versus advice, right? Like in the same way that if you told me that like you thought that you were going to have the IRS agent show up at your door because you didn't pay your taxes for the last five years, my advice would be, I'm not a tax attorney, like I'm not an accountant, I can't advise you there. Um, but my information to you would be like, maybe we could find you an accountant who could help you, right? Mm -hmm. So we as therapists have to stay in our lane as we should. Many of them seem to veer out, but we should stay <laughs> in our lanes. And so if we are providing medically, politically accurate information publicly available on the internet, like going to um, Planned Parenthood's website, for example, right? Um, or I need an a.org or, or .com, right? If we provide medically, politically accurate resources, that is well within our scope, right? So, so it was sort of like breaking down the nuances there of like, this is how we stay in our lane as providers. Um, and um, there is the um, Abortion Defense Network, who is a, this is an organization of um, a, lawyers and different nonprofit organizations who have come together to essentially take on cases where someone is being prosecuted for abortion, either having it themselves or for um, supporting someone else and having an abortion. And so um, like if, when, how has a great talk line, you can call them like the reproductive health line where basically you can call if you have a client where you're like, uh oh, they said something to me and I don't know the next steps, you can call and get direct answers on what to do. So what was my role? I'm not an attorney. I don't know. But I was able to pull together these resources to say this is the best that we've got right now. Um, and so the first thing that we did once we launched as an organization was we actually had um, Lauren Polk from If When How um, host a uh, co-host a webinar with us, um, giving best practices around this, and then we put together a fact sheet. So that they, they put together, I advised her on it, but they put together a fact sheet, particularly for mental health providers. So we're doing our best, but of course things are changing in real time. And I think you know there's inherent risk in living. You know, you could be sued at any time for anything. Um, and it's up yeah. to you as a clinician and as just a regular human being to decide what, where that sits with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. And yeah, interesting that you were able to find the resources to like parse out that information. Cause I remember early on, that's definitely a concern I heard of like, does it count as aiding and abetting or what counts as aiding and abetting and like the nuances of how to navigate that. So you mentioned, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I mean, I think if you have a client and you're like, sure, I will put you in my car and transport you across state mm -hmm. lines and bring you to your abortion <laughs> appointment, like, okay, we've crossed the line there. I'm not right. sure you need to get any client in your car for any reason at any time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think also it's like, use your common sense. Please mm -hmm. use good judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that this has been the kind of beta launch and then you're working on more plans for expanding in the fall. What are you hoping for the future of the website, the project? Like what are some of the, yeah, longer term goals around it? Yeah. Um, well, at this point, there is not a, uh, like a comprehensive curriculum for therapists on like how to do therapy in the context of abortion. It just doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. so there aren't those targeted trainings. And so Jen here, um, and I will be working really um, closely on developing some of those trainings, not only to help people just feel more proficient with how to talk about abortion in general, right? 
um, and myth busting and how to be supportive, but also um, working with the other therapists on the team of how to utilize some of our more traditional therapeutic intervention models in the context of abortion, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay, well, like here you are thinking that like you're a bad person because you had an abortion. Well, is that thought helpful? Let's examine that thought. Can we tweak that thought? Can we change that thought? Well, then you feel differently, for example, um, or mindfulness, right? Using mindfulness or somatic body techniques. Um, so really trying to, to create more of a menu of options for clinicians. And I think to really help people just see that, that abortion isn't special, right? Abortion special. I love abortion, but it's not actually special mm -hmm. and that it needs any other specific therapeutic training. You need the basics of like, let's myth bust a little here, but really listen to your client and what's showing up for them. Is it shame? Is it negative thinking? Is it intimate partner violence? Is there something traumatic that happened around the event, right? How do you just process this lived experience like any other? So I think it's also like demystifying this, this process for folks that abortion is not like the big scarlet letter. It is not this big thing that sets you apart, right? Um, one in four humans who can get pregnant will have at least an abortion in their lifetime. Many of them will have multiple. I mean, we'll see what happens with all these restrictions, but that's what the numbers were when Roe was still the law of the land, but it's just such a normal procedure. So let's normalize it. And also, help clinicians think more critically about how using the skills and tools that they already have can just apply in the context of abortion. So that to me, I'm super passionate about. Um, and then the website will include like more bells and whistles and we'll have more worksheets and more resources and then community building and then opportunities for more um, like teachings and trainings and webinars and um you know, what is the long-term goal? Like to be the group of experts on this topic, couldn't that be cool? Bringing them all together um, and really amplifying those voices and closing that gap um, in, in the space of, of stigma um, and really empowering people to just make this a part of their normal practice. Um, it doesn't have to be separate. It doesn't have to be niche. Yeah, all, all of those things. Uh, for me, I think uh, the future of uh, pro-choice therapists looks like it's expanding. You know, we would love to see um, more therapists on the directory. Um, so if you're out there and you're listening and you are a pro-choice therapist, please come visit us at uh, prochoicetherapist.org. Um, I don't believe registration is open quite yet, but in the near future it will be. And so um, we would love an even more comprehensive list of folks who um, who are who are listening to this and 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 it's resonating, right? And you want to make yourself available to folks, and you want to get that training because it's a completely different thing to identify as like a person that is pro-choice. And I'm making air quotes here uh, as a person that is uh, pro-choice, uh, but there's another thing to actually understand what that what that means and to understand the experience of the patient going in. So um, registering with both therapists gives you the knowledge and the information that you need to understand. If, if you yourself have not had an abortion or know someone that has had an abortion, if you are a unicorn, um, <laughs> then you may need that information. And, and we walk you through what that might look like so that you can provide better care. Uh, I'd also love to see in the future um, more education and outreach, right? That's why I'm here. Um, as the chief learning and equity officer um, to build more robust trainings and more comprehensive trainings um, to ensure that our learners who are the therapists are getting all the tools they need for their toolbox to feel like they're prepared and comfortable to have these conversations when they come up. Um, and then the equity piece of my title. Um, I would love to collaborate with other organizations um, like pridetherapists.com or Therapy for Black Girls. Um, what does it look like? I think. Um, with Ozzy earlier who asked a question around like intersectionality and how to what are the commonalities there um and I said that there there are lots and so we'd love to collaborate in the future and I see that as part of our expansion something that's coming up for us 
Yeah, well, I think you're already sort of addressing this, but we're coming to the end of our time. So I just wanted to ask if there's anywhere else, um, we'll link to the website in um, the show notes, but if there's anywhere else that folks can learn more about this work or follow both of y'all's work. Um, and then, yeah, just if you have any closing words that you'd each like to share. Yes, absolutely. So you can follow us on several platforms. The primary two are going to be Instagram and LinkedIn. We are at uh, Pro Choice Therapists on both of those platforms. Um, my personal Instagram is just my name, Jen Jesus 9 um, But the primary way to reach us would likely be through one of the Pro Choice Therapists' social medias. And um, you can find me, Ashley Sweet, um, on Instagram primarily would be the social media of choice which is at the feminist counselor. You can also check me out on my website, um, drashleysweet.com. Um, and I guess I would just love to say that abortion rights are human rights and, um, I will never stop the crusade. I really appreciate, um, y'all for having us and for amplifying this and for participating and being allies and advocates and, um, really, the majority is with us. Just have to remember that the majority is with us. The minority don't sleep. We can't sleep either. We just have to keep going um, and rely on each other and work together. Um, but it really is incredible seeing the momentum of folks coming together who are um, outraged for a cause. Um, and so if we can continue the momentum I have to have faith. Um, I have to have faith that things are going to get better. Um, I am chronically optimistic. Love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you both for being on. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so definitely check out Pro Choice Therapists' website, which again, we will link in the show notes. And you can also check us out at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Um, if you throw us a couple bucks a month there, you can join our Discord community um, where we talk about all sorts of reproductive justice topics. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at season of the bee. Visit our website, seasonofthebee.com, and you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. That's it for this week. Love Amazing. you. Love you, Ozzy. Bye. Bye.